And there's so much more to experience in life beyond just functioning, just waking up, going to work, watching your Netflix show, going to bed, waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. That's where people find the space of creativity to go and follow their purpose and passion. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. In today's episode, we're chatting with Light Watkins, who's been practicing and teaching meditation for almost 20 years. If you've ever been curious about meditation but were too intimidated to try, or if you've tried it in the past and failed, this episode is for you. Light is going to break down the biggest misconceptions around mindfulness and show us all how we can start getting the benefits of meditating today. Oh, I, I meditated before this episode, Ange, yes. and I have to say that I feel very clear. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, <laughs> but I maybe should have. Um, but I was thinking in the shower this morning, knowing that this episode was today, that meditation has become so popular that, in fact, last year in the app store, social networking apps were not the biggest apps. Meditation apps were the most downloaded apps. Ooh. And I know, a little stat for you there. I love that. So I feel like people are definitely curious, but maybe haven't tried this. Have you tried this? Do you meditate? So I have tried meditation on and off over the years. I guess I would say I've dabbled in my version of meditation. So I haven't like sat and been like, okay, I'm going to meditate now. But I would say specifically in the pandemic time, I found that I was really craving like alone centering time for myself in my brain and body. And so for me, that meant like going on these sunrise walks where I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning before my children. I wouldn't even take the dog, even though it would have been the nice thing to do. And I wouldn't even wear headphones. And I was just walk on the trail, like up to the top of the hill, get a view, breathe, and come back. And it wasn't even, at the time, it wasn't exercise. It was just stillness and space for my brain. And I've become like addicted to that stillness. So I think I'm into meditation now. What about you? Yeah, I actually did a meditation challenge during my give it a week year, which for those who aren't familiar, in 2018, I challenged myself to try something new every week for the whole year. But one of the weeks was meditation by popular request, actually, mm -hmm. on Instagram. And I learned that I'm a moving meditator. I'm not really like a sitting meditator. And so I have so many questions for Light about that today. But um, I think that like yoga is meditation for me or trail runs is meditation for me. I don't just have to like sit on a rock and look at the view. Um, <laughs> but maybe this says something about my personality. I don't know. We're both <laughs> busy bodies. Stop. I know. I was like... Like if I sit and I'm just still, I'm like, oh, I need to like write this thing down. But maybe that's part yeah. of it. But light's going to tell totally. us, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> um, with that, <laughs> I think it's hilarious, by the way, that we're trying to talk about relaxation and we're all stressed out. So we need to learn some tips and tricks. We are so excited to welcome Light Watkins here to calm us all down. He is here to teach us something new about how to meditate without really trying. Welcome, Light. You're like the meditation master, but how did you get started in the first place? Can you tell us your story? 
So yeah, long story short, I started, I was living in New York City and um, I was in the fashion industry. I was actually a model. I had a lot of free time on my hands and I used my free time to get involved in yoga. And then it was just a natural sort of um, extension of, of getting into meditation from yoga. So that's where I first kind of dipped my toe in. I didn't get serious about it until a few years later when I when I did what a lot of New Yorkers do, I migrated to Los Angeles. And then, you know, when you're in Los Angeles, there's so many different spiritual scenes. It's just a matter of which one you're going to eventually gravitate towards. And I gravitated towards the meditation scene and uh, got myself a teacher and a mantra and all of that and uh, and started doing it and, and actually felt like it was making a profound difference in my life. And, uh, and I was inspired to teach it. And what year was that again? This was, so I moved, I, I first started in like 98, 1998, and then I moved to Los Angeles in 2002. And in fact, it was such a rare thing that if anyone did any kind of meditation at any time, I would gravitate towards them <laughs> because, you know, you find someone with a, with a common interest. Even in the like 50s and 60s, meditation was sort of considered witchcraft and um, it was you know, I know people who have gotten kicked off of their college campuses in the 50s and 60s who, just for meditating in the courtyard. And I feel like that's like to come 60 years later and now meditation apps are the number one category of apps in the app store. Like we've gone full circle. How do you feel about that? I feel like it's an amazing sign of the times, you know? It's a bit of a double-edged sword though because there's so much wisdom within the simplicity of the technique that you know how we do it in America. We tend to water everything down and, and commercialize it and make it marketable. And, and in doing so, there's a tendency to kind of leave all that wisdom behind so that you can give the marketplace what you think is going to sell the most. So I think there's a delicate balance in making it accessible, but also um, keeping the keeping the inherent wisdom within the practice that we are, we as meditation teachers and practitioners are responsible for, for maintaining. For people who have never meditated, um, mm -hmm. what are some of the reasons they should start and what benefits have you seen from meditation in your own life? There's so much more there than we're able to see just with normal waking state awareness, waking state consciousness. I would even say it's the difference in being intoxicated and not being intoxicated, right? So you know how when you're around drunk people or people who just had a little bit too much to drink, the way that they are engaging in the environment is very limited to the way that someone who's completely sober in that same room may be able to engage with and understand what's happening in that room, right? So you take the equivalent of that, you have someone who's sober and then you have someone who's completely sober and they've been meditating. Their level of awareness allows them to see even more connections, even more themes playing out. They can read the room even better and they can see cause and effect even more. And that's something that will pay off handsomely in business, in relationships, even with just yourself and understanding yourself and what you're going through and, and the fact that this is, this is not the end-all be-all of your experience. There's more to, to enjoy. And if you can just look around and notice a lot of the other things that are also playing out, you may be able to, to, to be inspired and, and get insights and, and see ideas and clues that you would not otherwise see. 
but most of us just aren't able to see them because we're relying on our five senses only. And if we can move beyond the five senses, which is what expanding awareness does, then it's it's like every day, every moment really can feel like, you know, Christmas morning for those little kids waking up, you know, to see what Santa Claus brought them. And if you take that with you into whatever you're doing, into traffic and, you know, somebody cuts you off, it's not that big of a deal because it's like, you know, imagine if you pick up like your, your the friend of yours you haven't seen in years and you guys had these amazing experiences and you're driving from the airport and somebody stops too quickly in front of you, but you're having this amazing connection, right? That amazing connection is going to probably keep you from getting all angry and bent out of shape and letting this person's driving affect the rest of your day, right? But if you don't have that connection, that relationship, then yeah, it's really easy to kind of get caught up in things that are not going the way you want them to go. So imagine that relationship that you're having everywhere you go in the post office, when there's a pandemic, when you're in the gym and you don't really feel like working out. When your mother's giving you unsolicited advice about why you're not, you know, further along in your career or in your <laughs> marriage or whatever, um, those kinds of little moments, those low-grade microaggressive moments, can really wear people down and make and, and end up defining someone's whole day or week or month or even year, and 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 it just yanks us right out of the moment every time we think about it, and then we have to start to do therapy and all this other stuff to just just be functional, right? And there's so much more to experience in life beyond just functioning, just waking up, going to work, going to the gym, watching your Netflix show, going to bed and waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. That's where people find the space of creativity to go and 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 follow their purpose and passion. So speaking about sort of these microaggressions and these potentially negative moments that can throw your day off, do you think something we've talked about, you know, with a few different folks is the value of all of those feelings, right? And and like sort mm-hmm. of getting into them and letting them exist and then being able to move on. What is your take on that? You know, whether it's through venting or journaling or whatever, you know, if you need to process something that is hard. I, I like to keep these things really practical. So I'm going to use another metaphor that we can all relate to, right? You have a paycheck, and the money you get hopefully is in proportion to the money you spend on a daily basis or on a monthly basis. So based on your lifestyle, some people require more money, some people require less money, you know. And and then there are a lot of people, especially in America, who are in the opposite. They have more money going out than they have coming in. So then they have to use credit cards and take loans and this kind of thing. So just you know, emotionally, it's the same deal, basically, right? We have an emotional bank balance. And those little things that happen, those microaggressions that happen, are kind of like the the bills. That's the stuff going out. And meditation is a credit deposit of, of what the body and mind and spirit needs in order to pay that off. That's going in. So every time we sit down and meditate, we're basically funding our emotional bank account so that we can deal with the bills that we have, the emotional bills that are going to be coming in. A lot of these bills are fixed costs, right? You have to pay them every month. If you have kids and you're homeschooling, you have to do that. You can't get around that. And if you've taken care of a sick parent, you have to do that. That's going to that's gonna be an emotional cost, right? So 
and then you know you go out on a date night and that's a nice little credit deposit and then you know you're playing with a puppy and that's a credit deposit and then you're reading your book and you're journaling and you do all these things so it's not just meditation it's everything that we do that is considered self-care those are credit deposits and then we have our outgoing right and then it's just a matter of proportion so when you go into the red that's where you start to find yourself operating in fight or flight on a regular basis. So you're always getting triggered. There's always drama. You're always feeling on edge. And it's a matter of form adapting to function. The body is the form. The function is either running and fighting or, or it's resting and playing. And so which kind of body do you want to have? Well, Light, I have to tell you, I found my first gray hair about a month ago, <laughs> and I presume that means I've been in fight or flight mode for most of 2020, and I need to, my emotional bank is in debt, and I need more meditation in my life. Is that is that right? Mm -hmm. It's not genetic, right? It's definitely 2020. I mean, I, don't, I can't say definitively what your gray hair is, is uh, what, the, what the source of it is. I think it's is, wisdom. But, you know. <laughs> It could be that. I mean, the the point is that it's not. This is not something we want to neglect mm -hmm. or treat as optional, or you know, put it in the extracurricular activity category. Like some people have meditation in the same category. If maybe one day I'll go to Bali, or maybe one day I'll go on a cruise, or maybe one, you know, it's not. You should be in the same category as as brushing your teeth and sleeping and and uh, drinking lots of water, things like the things the body responds beautifully to. I mean, think about it. It's been focus grouped for thousands of years. So if it didn't work, we wouldn't still it's be talking about fitness. it. It's mental fitness. It's like just as much as you need to be working out That's or right. walking 10,000 steps a day, like you That's need right. at least 10 minutes a day, you know, That's minimum right. probably for your brain to rest and to get its workout. But the reason why it feels so hard in the beginning days, because I was hearing you guys talk about your, your experiences, the reason why it feels so hard is the same reason why if you never work out, and you go to the gym, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be painful the first however long. And you even if you have a really good workout, what's gonna happen the next few days? You're gonna be sore. You're not gonna be able to lift a cup of coffee because your muscles are breaking down and they're rebuilding stronger. So the the mind has the same kind of effect. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about getting started. If you've never meditated before, I think about my mom. I've been trying to get her to do this for so many years, and she gives me that response. Oh, there's just too many thoughts. I can't sit still. La, da, 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 da. So you say that how you sit when you meditate is important. Can you talk about that? Is there a specific pose to properly meditate? So one of the other things we have to understand about meditation is that meditation, the word itself, is a very generic word. It doesn't really mean anything specific, right? If you think of it kind of like the word cooking or the word sports. So if someone says, I'm going to go to the kitchen and do some cooking, what are you cooking, right? 
Or if they say, I'm going to go play sports, you want to come play sports with me? <laughs> it depends. Which sport do you want to go play? <laughs> because poker is a lot different from you know full contact football. With meditation, there are all kinds of ways to meditate. There's people who do these things called like laughter meditation. Uh, I heard of a gyrotonics meditation. Um, there's the silent retreat meditation. You go away for 10 days and meditate for 12 hours a day. There's transcendental meditation where you have a mantra. There's Buddhist meditation where you're chanting, right? So you're going to be sitting slightly or dramatically different in all of those different situations. Now, one does not make the other one invalid, right? It just depends on what scene you happen to find yourself in. And then there's a there's a, a manual, there's an operating manual for that particular scene, where in one scene, maybe your back is completely straight and your legs are crossed and everything, your hands are in the mudra, the, the finger and the thumb are together. In another scene, it could be completely relaxed. Everybody's hanging back almost like they're taking a nap. In another scene, people are like moving and they're walking and they're like, you know, doing the whole static flow situation. So... What I have experienced for myself, because I've been in a, a lot of those scenes, and what I've experienced is that the way you sit can either make the meditation practice more enjoyable or less enjoyable. And the simple math behind that is, is this. Just like working out in the gym, meditation is not going to be effective if you only do it once every now and again. You have to do it on a regular basis, ideally daily, right? Because stress isn't taking any days off. So stress is the thing that keeps you from accessing your full potential. Meditation is the thing that helps you unlock your full potential by neutralizing the thing that's blocking you from it, which is stress. And in order to get to the point where you actually proactively make the time to meditate, the more enjoyable it is, the more likely it is that you're going to make the time for it. So bringing it back to like if someone was just starting out, right, they don't know about all the different options and all the different things you can do. All they know is what they've seen, which is, you know, you sit crisscross applesauce, you know, on a cushion, maybe your back is supported. So if we're setting up, let's set up like the most basic version of meditation and skip over to location. So talk to us about how important your environment is and what, you know, when you're just starting out, what would an ideal environment look like? When you're just starting out, you want to be able to meditate pretty much anywhere where you can relax. So think about where you would watch your favorite Netflix show. That's where you want to meditate. You don't need an altar. You don't need a cushion. You don't need a quiet room. Can it be a bathtub? Well, would you watch your favorite Netflix show in the bathtub? Sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yes. Light. I know you don't know this about me, but yes. <laughs> um, it's funny. I used to watch Chef, Chef's Table in the bathtub as well. See? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't advise meditation in the bathtub just because when you are deep in the experience, you can lose awareness of what's around you. And if you're around water, it's not, it's not ideal to do stuff like that around things that could potentially cause you harm. So you're naked, you're wet, you know, it's not a good, not a good scene to be losing awareness 
<laughs> in that kind of environment. But if you're on your couch, if you're in your favorite reading chair, if you were to happen to doze off in that environment and be asleep for two or three hours and it wouldn't harm you, that's a great place to meditate. What about time of day or how long to go if you're just starting out? Well, first of all, you can meditate any time of day. Um, a lot of people meditate morning, some in the evening, some in the middle of the day. I recommend morning meditations because it's, it's um, what meditation is going to do for you is give you the ability to be your best self. And we don't really need to be our best self before we go to sleep at night. We need to be our best self when we commute, when we're driving, when we're dropping kids off, when we're you know, making breakfast, when we're communicating with our significant other about what's what the plans are for the day. Okay. So let's say I'm the newbie. I have woken up a little bit earlier. I've sat in a very comfortable place. I've done my meditation. Um, how do I know if I'm successful? That is a great question. Um, the way you know you're successful is after maybe a month of daily practice. You know, you've been doing it whatever, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I would say 15 should be your ideal time a day. 10 minutes minimum, nothing less than 10 minutes. But 15 is really your target goal. And then if you go over 5, 10 minutes, you know, it's not a big deal. But I feel like 15 is very doable. Can you go too long? Yes, you can meditate for too long. Yes. What but happens? no one's going to have that problem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're not okay. going to, no one's going to go for three, four, or five hours a day every day. Well, that's called sleep, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we won't worry about that right now. <laughs> okay. But after you've been doing it for, you know, three or four weeks on a daily basis like that, something is going to happen in your life where things are not going to go your way. And you're going to notice that the way you react to it is different than the way you would have reacted to it prior to you starting your practice. And then you'll start to get a series of those incidents happening where you can kind of piece together some empirical evidence that the meditation is working. It's just basically because you're becoming more um, adaptable to change. So maybe we should try this. Um, Light, would you mind ending our episode by walking me and Ange through the 10 steps to successfully meditating? Sure. So I want you all, you're obviously all sitting, right? So go ahead and sit in the most comfortable way that you can. So that means you definitely want your back supported. Usually when I, when I lead these meditations, people start like, you know, dusting themselves off and sitting up straight. You don't have to do that, okay? And let your hands and your feet and everything be completely natural. And then go ahead and close your eyes. And let's take a couple of clearing breaths. So take a deep breath in. Let it out. One more time, deep breath in. And release. Good. Now, let your breathing return to natural. 
And and um, you're going to be experiencing some thoughts. Obviously, your mind is thinking the entire time that you are awake. So that's not unusual to have a what feels like a busy mind. But what I want you to do now is I want you to place your attention on your breath just as you're breathing naturally. So you're not going to manipulate it at all. You're not going to breathe in or out uh, particularly deeply. Just however shallow your breath is, just notice, notice it. Just notice your breathing. And as you're noticing your breathing, right, at some point, you are going to get lost in maybe what feels like an unrelated thought. You may be wondering how long is this going to feel, or I don't know if I can do this, or what am I going to have for dinner? You know, something that's not related to this present moment. And that's fine. That's fine. So when you catch yourself doing that, I want your attitude about it to be, oh, this is, this is great. I'm actually experiencing myself thinking, right? So in other words, no negative judgment around it whatsoever. And then the next step is once you are aware that you are thinking and you're sitting in your chair and your eyes are closed and you're breathing naturally, then you're going to very, very easily return to noticing your breath. And, and you're essentially going to reset. So start noticing your breathing again. And then at some point later, probably when you least expect it, you're going to get what feels like sidetracked into some more unrelated thoughts. And maybe those thoughts are tied into the previous unrelated thoughts. And you start to notice that a theme is developing where every time you get lost in thoughts, you're thinking of this one conversation or you feel like you're stuck on this one song lyric or you feel like you're stuck on planning something. Maybe it's your to-do list for the day or some goal that you have for the future. And every time your mind keeps going back to that same thought and that becomes sort of the theme of, of your meditation. Now the art of meditating is when that happens, and notice I said when, not if, when that happens, you're not going to feel any negative judgment around it. In fact, I want you to practice the opposite. I want you to feel, feel good about the fact that you're aware and you're thinking and you're safe and you're here. And this is an experience that is adding value to your life into your relationships and to the way you communicate and to the way you see yourself in the world and you just very very quietly and always silently to yourself 
you begin noticing your breathing. And so that little cycle may repeat itself a couple of times in the span of 10 or 15 minutes, maybe a few times, maybe a dozen times. It doesn't matter how many times we find ourselves lost in thought or just engaged in the cycle, right? So it's not just being judgment-free of the thoughts, but also it's about being judgment-free of the entire process itself. And now I want you all to stop that process. So just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Now you're not noticing your breathing or anything. You're not trying to do anything. You're just sitting there with your eyes closed, your normal mind and your body. And I want you to take one more deep breath in and let it out. Good. And then just very, very slowly with your gaze down, begin to open your eyes and then gradually bringing yourself out. How did that feel? Did it feel relaxing? It felt very relaxing. Yeah, I was noticing the the two things I noticed. One, the pattern of thought thing is so real. And I think it's um, personality defining in many ways because for me, I am a planner. And so I was mostly planning or or the other half of my thoughts were like creating ideas. And I would, and who's like one of my BFFs would definitely tell you that like the two things I'm best at are planning and creating ideas. (laughs) Um, And probably to a fault, I need to stop. So, but then the second thing I noticed was the return to the breath thing, which I've always, I've heard before is really like a, it's like a instilling a pattern in you that when you get a frantic thought or a frantic thing that happens to you, returning to breath is what your body naturally should do. So you're training that part of your body to just, that part of your brain to do that. When you get that into that car, you know, someone cuts you off or someone says something crazy to you or whatever. Mm. It's, I think, probably naturally instilled in me. If I I were to do this over and over again, which I, I plan to, to just go back to that breath and to take a beat. I love that. Yeah, that was a great interpretation. So I I totally agree. I love the, what I really, what really resonated with me was when you said, you know, thoughts are going to come in. That's great. You know, like have the thoughts. I sort of felt like I was like sitting inside my own brain meditating and then like a thought sort of flowed in and I was like, cool, I'll engage with you for a minute and then come back. And I really Mm -hmm. liked that because I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's where I've gotten caught up. Like, no, don't start making a to-do list. Like, don't think about that thing. Like, this isn't the time. And then you're putting pressure on yourself when you're supposed to be finding space and presence. And I think that, like, lifted mm-hmm. me out of that cycle just in that, you know, couple of minutes that we spent together. So that was really cool. I have a question. Do you do you recommend this format of a guided meditation and using apps like Calm or Headspace? Or do you think people, if they're just starting, should just have the quiet and see where their thoughts go? So in a normal situation, um, 
I would have been quiet for about five minutes while we were doing this. I just it doesn't lend itself to the <laughs> podcast format very much to have five minutes of silence, but I would have stopped talking and let you have the full experience. So I'm a big fan of of what I call silent meditation because uh, from my own experience, you can go a lot deeper into yourself if someone's not talking to you and telling you what to do the whole time. They're both valid, right? And here's what's really interesting about it is that the people who practice silent meditation enough to get good at it, they don't love guided meditation. And the people who only do guided meditation, they don't love silent because it's too silent. You know, it's not enough to do. I would say guided meditation is kind of the training wheels version of meditation. And so eventually you want to take the training wheels off because that means you don't need anything. You don't need someone. You don't need your phone. You don't need anything in order to feel like you can meditate with success. So and would you add music into that? Even if you're doing silent, would you put on some music or does that defeat the purpose? There's a time and place for music, sure. But I would say if you're learning how to meditate, um, I would say to just do it silently first. And then once you feel like you have the mechanics down, if you want to see what having music is like, you know, it's kind of like saying, would you like us to play music while you're sleeping? It's like, no, I don't need music while I'm sleeping. That's going to distract me from sleeping, in fact. So I think when people have a very chaotic mind, they may find music soothing, but really you can go deeper than that. You can get into the deepness of of even what you would experience in sleep while you're sitting there meditating. And that in that sense, music can be a little distracting. So that's why I say it's not like a clear either or. It really just depends yeah. on, on what approach you're using. So basically we're learning meditation can be many things to many people, but like it should guide you. Like once you get started, you will start to figure out your flow and 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 maybe – start it just the most simplest version possible and then you can start trying these different formats there's so it's, it's there's so much and it's so confusing that's one of the reasons why i wrote the book that i wrote bliss more how to succeed in meditation without really trying is because that's what i would have wanted someone to tell me to make the practice as easy as possible without me having to use a, a lot of shoddy guesswork. So I wrote that for regular people who just want to experience meditation, but who don't, who aren't in proximity to someone like me, or maybe can't afford to sit with someone like me for four days while I train them in meditation. Because that that adds a whole other layer of self-sufficiency. If you work with a teacher, there's nothing arbitrary about meditation and you know, a lot of times it's a situation of you don't know what you don't know. So you may end up trying things or doing things that, you know, you think are adding to the experience, but actually it's taking away from the experience. Mm -hmm. But that book is a really good primer for people who are open to um, learning some simple mechanics. It's just one, it's just one approach. So I just take the one approach that I find to be the easiest, most sufficient one. And I say, practice that every day. And that's where you'll get the most bang for your time spent meditating. Amazing. This has been so enlightening. For our listeners who hopefully just meditated with us for a little while, what's your homework this week for anyone who's been too nervous to try meditating? What's an easy first step everyone can take? I mean, I hate to plug my homework. I would say get the audio book for Bliss More 
and start with that because you'll you'll start meditating within minutes of getting the audiobook and it's like having me with you in your phone in your living room talking you through these basic basic steps short of that i would just say you know follow the little 7 minute thing we just did and uh just wherever you're sitting and try that out and just if you like that you're going to love having structure in your in your technique love it um, Light, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where do we follow you? Like on Instagram or anywhere else on the internet? Where can we find yeah, you? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm at, I'm at Light Watkins pretty much everywhere. Okay. Every, everywhere you want to be, <laughs> I'm there. You're there. Are you on TikTok, Light Watkins? <laughs> I oh, am at wow. Light Watkins on TikTok. Oh my yes. I'm not TikTok making, meditations. I'm not, or are we going to do making, a dance video together? <laughs> I'm not making daily dance videos, but I'm definitely on there. Okay, well, you're not yet. I'm hoping it's just a fad. Nope. Nope. We're going to make a video. <laughs> it's happening. You just committed to Is it. it. Happening? Just okay. We'll send you a follow-up email like that. <laughs> All um, right. I'm open to it. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Special shout out to my co-host Ange, who you can find on Instagram at Angelica Temple. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Christine Swore and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.